Welcome to MI Insider, a show where Mercer Islanders give their perspectives on issues here at home and across the world. I'm Miles Avales, and my goal is to highlight the people behind the headlines. Now let's get into it. Hello and welcome back to another episode of MI Insider. Now today's episode is going to be a bit different because up front, I'm going to be honest, this is my first time doing a solo podcast. So it's just me talking in front of my mic. And if you've listened to the intro, you know that the goal of this show is to get a bunch of different people on in the community to talk about uh, important things to them and things that are important to us. But you know, today I'm going to be that person. So just bear with me. I I know we've run out of content. You don't have to tell me. But since I've never like talked openly on this podcast, I thought it'd be good to give some background on who I am. So basically, I'm a senior at Mercer Island High School, and this is my third year in the radio program. So when I first joined as a sophomore, it was because my friend named Creed actually recommended it to me. And so I started at possibly the worst time to start your radio career, and that was online. And so a lot of the first year I kind of wasted, but then towards the end, I got together with this friend and we started a show called That's Debatable. And That's Debatable was a show where we picked a topic and then one of us took one side and the other person took another and then we debated. And so I did that for the first two years, sophomore and junior. And now I'm a senior and I'm the news director for our station. So as I said, a lot of what I do is going out and interviewing people in the community and putting together these news features, which we play in our morning show, which is Breakfast on the Bridge. And oftentimes the conversations I have with people are a lot longer than just the two or three minute snippet that you'll get on that morning show. So I started this show or podcast to have a place to put those recordings because I didn't want them to go to waste, basically. But today's going to be different because it will just be me and I'll be giving my analysis and my recap of the college application process and the college essay process. And I'll actually be reading my own essay for you guys to critique, I suppose, and see where I what I did right and what I did wrong. And then we'll end with more general college application tips, some of which come from my counselor, and then some of which are, again, just my experience. But before I read my essay, I want to mention that I am not the first person at our school to do this. So I actually got this idea just a few hours ago when I saw another former radio student, Eden, had done the same thing. But the only problem is hers was really good. And it was basically about how she has always had a variety of interests and that radio broadcasting helped her to narrow down on something and combine all of those interests. She used the metaphor of a hummingbird in a garden because the hummingbird never stays at one flower for too long. And so radio was like her garden that allowed her to experience just a bit of everything. So clearly a lot of thought went into it and it read like a book or a poem you would read in school. Like it was it was really good. But I think as far as my essay goes, I think it's an upper mid-level essay. And for that reason, I think there's a lot of good things about it. And I think there's a lot of stuff that could be improved. So without further ado, let's just jump into it. It was the end of my freshman year and I was browsing my high school's course catalog in search of one final class to round out my sophomore year schedule. Well, this one looks interesting, I thought to myself. I set down my mouse, the cursor hovering over the words intro to radio broadcasting. What intrigued me most about radio was the novelty of taking the class. The notion that I could now exercise my individuality by pursuing something completely out of my comfort zone was both exciting and frightening. 
After consulting with my acquaintance Creed, who is already involved in the radio program, I was able to overcome my reservations and embrace the adventure. Only it didn't start off as much of an adventure. The pandemic swooped in, and instead of broadcasting live on KMIH for all to hear, I was stuck at home, severely limited in what I could create and who I could collaborate with. As the months rolled on, I waited for the radio teacher to talk to me, to recognize my eagerness and push me to actually make something out of my year in radio. That talk never came. Tired of waiting, I took the one action I could to potentially create something special. I asked Creed if he wanted to do a radio show with me. Reaching out to Creed was not an easy decision. I mostly knew Creed through a mutual friend, and because of my reserved nature, I hardly would have been uncomfortable inviting him to my house, much less talking to him on air. So when Creed simply responded, yep, I was both anxious and relieved. In the following weeks, we decided to launch a hybrid radio show slash podcast called That's Debatable. The premise of our show was that Creed and I would conduct considerable research on a controversial world issue before taking sides to engage in respectful, well-informed debate. We began with debating homeless camping in our home city, then moved on to topics like denuclearization, statue toppling, and military spending. The more shows we recorded, the more I understood what it took to be an effective verbal communicator. Not only did I need to know the high cost of the F-35 fighter project, for example, but I needed to be able to articulate mid-conversation why the project was failing and how it embodied the military's lack of accountability. Along with my communication skills, my connection to Creed also grew. Creed's encouragement helped me feel comfortable in an otherwise daunting environment, and I began to consider him a close friend. Fast forward to today, and I'm very grateful for all that I've been able to do with KMIH. I published 26 episodes of That's Debatable, I've interviewed a Mercer Island City Council member, as well as a Washington State Senate candidate, and I've been given the position of news director, a role that would have terrified me just a few years ago. When I reflect on my time in radio and how it has changed me, I wonder to myself, where would I be if I hadn't taken the risk to join radio and ask Creed to do a show with me? And where would I be if Creed hadn't taken the risk to say yes? Well, to answer my own questions, I probably would have been about where I started. I would have missed out on the opportunities to grow my speaking skills, and I would have missed out on fostering a wonderful friendship. My experience in radio has taught me that big leaps of progress don't tend to happen by themselves. I've come to understand that if I want to see growth in any area, I have to be an active decision maker, not afraid to take a leap of faith beyond the walls of my comfort zone to arrive at a destination I never thought was possible. All right, so as I said, not the best, but also not the worst. So just for some context, this was actually the first college essay that I wrote because it was the main one and the longest one. And so I figured that I should spend the most time on this. And I feel like if I had written this one later in the process, after I had more experience writing essays, then it would have been beneficial. But first, let's look at the pros. Let's look at the good things. So first off, I think I did a good job of making it a story with a beginning, middle and end. So then you can track my progress over time. So in the essay, I start off as an adolescent, just coming to terms with my ability to make my own decisions and basically live my own life. And so at the start, I'm kind of a passive actor. I am not going out of my way to do things for myself. But then through these experiences and through radio, I basically become 
a more active participant in my own life and become a person who is not afraid to just, you know, as I said, take a leap of faith and try different things. I think the strongest part of the essay is at the end when I really boil down to the main message of the story. But that brings me to the cons, which the main con is that there's not enough of that end part. The story in the middle, it's a lot of details. And colleges really aren't looking for that, I think. I think they're looking more to see that you have a message, that you have like these moral values, that you have high aspirations. They're looking for the more intangible things rather than just the things you've done. And I think I just spent too much time talking about setting up my podcast and who I talk to and, and all that kind of stuff. Another problem is that I think the tone is a bit too academic. You know, English class and school in general has just, you know, I've been trained my entire life to write in this one specific way, and that is to do literary analysis. I can't remember the last time I wrote anything that wasn't a literary analysis. And so I think my essay was just a bit too bland. I think it could have used a bit more creativity, and I could have found more ways to make it stand out. Now, the final problem I'll bring up is that it's very one-dimensional, not, not necessarily in its message, but in the way it is written. So it is basically just a story all the way through, from beginning until right before the end. It's just me telling a narrative from start to finish. And I think if I could have interwoven more commentary throughout, it would have, it would have enhanced the essay. Now, I do want to say that I actually had a lot of fun writing these essays for some reason. I thought it was interesting to look back at my past and pick out moments and little things to talk about that have been important in my life. Because, you know, when else do you get an opportunity to do that? Certainly not in school. And I only applied to about a half dozen universities, so I could really focus on each individual essay. But if you asked someone who applied to maybe 12 or 13 schools, as the Mercer Island average seems to be... <laughs> you might get a different response. They're probably really busy and just not having a good time. But yeah, I mean, if you see me in public or at school, just tell me how my essay was or, or maybe not. Maybe that's a bad idea. Maybe I don't want to hear it. But now I think I want to transfer into more general college advice. Some of this comes from my own experience and then some of it comes from an interview I had with one of the counselors at our school. So I asked her a bunch of questions and I think I'll just go through them one by one. So the first question was, what are the biggest things that high school students can do if they want to stand out to colleges? And the answer was that you don't need to do 30 million things. As far as activities go, you just need to do a few things and do them well. Colleges will know that if you put 100 activities on your list, they'll know there's not enough hours in the day for you to truly be committed to all of them. But then on the other hand, if you're only doing one thing, like let's say you're an athlete, you want to be doing other things as well. You want to show that you're not just a one-dimensional person and that you can be a well-rounded individual that will do well at their school. I also asked what some good tips were for essays. And the number one thing you can do is start them early. Because the summer between junior and senior year is a really good time to iron out a good rough draft of the Common App, which is the main essay that you'll be writing. It typically goes live in August, but it doesn't change much from year to year, so you can actually start much earlier if you want to. And this will potentially save you a lot of time in your senior year where you have to balance applications with schoolwork and all of that. And another tip for essays was that the best way to go about them is to be personable and to be authentic. Because when writing essays, a lot of students write about just what they think will impress colleges. And so sometimes you end up with long laundry lists of activities rather than a true insight into who you are as a person. And as I said when I was talking about my essay, writing about a story is a good way to go. But you want to make sure that it's not just details you're reciting. 
And I also advise you to just spend some time thinking about your essay and how you can make it more creative and what elements you can weave in to make the writing seem more varied. But before you start your essay, you should be thinking about which colleges will interest you. Do you want to go to a bigger school? Do you want to go to a smaller school? Do you want to go to a more STEM-focused school or a more humanities-focused school? There's all kinds of options, and each school has something different to offer. In my opinion, a good place to start is looking at not the overall rankings, but rankings for your major. For example, I want to major in statistics, so I would look up top statistics colleges, and then looking at the websites, you can get a general consensus of which schools are respected in the industry. Going off the overall US news ranking is maybe not the best idea in comparison because each school has different strengths and weaknesses and, and employers might respect a college more that aligns with what they do rather than just the overall prestige. One good website my counselor recommended to me was collegescorecard.ed.gov, which is a government website that compares colleges' costs and expected debt. And then you can also see your expected earnings for your major by going to that school. So it's a good way to numerically assess whether a degree is worth it. Often people assume that going to a better college, a higher ranked college, is just automatically going to give you an advantage in the workplace. And this website allows you to verify whether that is actually the case or not. And another good way to check in on the finances of going to college is to go to the school's website that you want to go to and use their net price calculator. And then if you input your parents' income and then a bunch of other financial information about them, then it will send you an estimate of how much it will cost to attend their school. I think this could really come in handy because you could get into the best school in the world, but if you can't pay for it, then what's the point of applying, you know? Of course, there's always stuff like merit-based financial aid, but that's pretty hard to get, and you can't depend on it when deciding which colleges to apply to. You want to make sure that you get your own parents involved in the process very early on. You want to see how much they would be willing to pay to fund your education. That will help inform your decisions on whether you want to go in-state or out-of-state or a public school or a private school. I asked my counselor how many colleges is a good number to apply to, and she said that it really depends on what you're looking to do. Some students apply to 15 or so and just they're throwing darts at a wall and seeing what sticks. This is for students who are determined to get into a reach school or a school that is very highly rated. Otherwise, she says that around 10 is a good number to aim for. You want to apply to at least a couple safeties, several target schools, like maybe five or so, and then a few reach schools if you want. Now regarding ACTs and SATs, my counselor said that it's not always the best idea to take an expensive test-taking course because this can sometimes be a waste of money, and if you're doing it during school, it could negatively impact your grades, which could actually have the opposite effect that you're looking for by taking the program. She says that there's a lot of simpler programs that you can take, as well as just using the standard SAT or ACT book. And she did say that taking both is a good idea if you're not going to be stressed out about how you do on both of them. Uh, if you're gonna take one, she says that Mercer Island students do pretty equally in them but if they're going to do better in one, they do better on the ACT. And I think that's because of the more math emphasis, I believe, and because Mercer Island's math program is very good. Now, one final thing I wanted to talk about was two-year college. It's not something that a whole lot of people consider, but it should be known that it's significantly cheaper than attending university for your first two years. So if cost is a concern, or especially if 
you don't know if college is right for you, it can be better to test the waters by going to a two-year college. And this actually, contrary to popular belief, won't set you back compared to the average student. In fact, if you get a two-year degree with high grades, it can actually put you in a good position, and in some instances, even put you at an advantage to transfer into some of these top prestigious university programs. But yeah, I think that's about it for me. I hope you enjoyed. This is quite different than anything I've ever done. And if you need more advice regarding college applications and tips, please just visit your counselor and get to know them. My counselor has been very helpful through this whole process, and it would be a lot harder without her. But I hope you've enjoyed this episode of MI Insider. You can listen to the show every Thursday at 7am or as a podcast on the KMIH website or wherever you get your podcasts. But for now, stay tuned on 88.9 The Bridge.